Hi, it's Chris Watkin back again with another estate agency story. And today I'm joined by Alice Bullard, who is the boss lady, managing director of the estate agency chain Nested. Alice, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Um, what I'd like to do is go back in time and talk about uh, your childhood, uh, when you wanted to be an estate agent and, and basically your whole career up to today. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important, um, you know, you being a managing director of an estate agency chain, that you tell your story so you can inspire other women to, to, to you know, to break through that glass ceiling. So if you don't mind, should we start at the start? So... I know you shouldn't ask a lady when she was born, but when were you, what year were you born? <laughs> um, I was born in 1990. Okay. So I'm a 90s child, but only just. Okay. Um, I, uh, I grew up in, uh, in Bromley, um, just outside of, uh, outside of London. Um, went to a lovely school, um, got given a scholarship at a school because I uh, played the piano and the cello. Uh, really quite musician, well. Eh, are you? I was. Did you get grade eight? And all I the did bits? on both cello and piano. So it earned me uh, a great uh, education, um, which was which was amazing. Talk, um, to, talk to me about your mum and dad. Uh, so my mum's a primary school teacher. Uh, she uh, used to teach reception children, and my dad is uh, or was in sales. He's retired now. He worked for you know a couple of the big companies up in in London. What what did your mother teach you in life? Uh, my mother definitely taught me to be very kind. She's a very kind lady um, uh, and patience. My mum definitely has a lot of patience, as you can imagine, being a, a teacher to <laughs> 30, sort of four-year-olds, five-year-olds. Um, so, yeah, I'd say be kind and, and patient. How did she actually teach you patience? Because let's be honest, most estate agents... what. Patience is really at the bottom of their skill set. <laughs> I don't know how she taught me, actually. Um, it's just something that I know my mum installed in me uh, for, for my whole life. So I, I don't know how she taught me. I guess she's a role model for me, certainly. So maybe that's... I mean, I've always said that the, the, the two variables to success in this world is hard work and patience. Yeah. And you need both in equal amounts. There's lots of people out there that work hard. Yeah. But if you don't play the long game, you're not going to win. No, absolutely. And I think maybe I was lucky. I had a dad, my dad, who worked very hard, um, extremely hard and, and had to sacrifice, I think, a lot of his family time uh, for, for his career. What line of business was your dad in? Uh, he was in sales. He worked for IBM, Accenture, Capgemini, um, selling. <laughs> selling computers and stuff like that. Yeah, pretty much. So in your childhood, you probably he was out selling, so you probably didn't see him as much, and your mum was kind of running the household as yeah. mums do. Yeah, I mean she was working, um, she was working full time too, so she was juggling a lot. Um, but but yeah, uh, I, I I saw my dad at weekends. I didn't see him much during the week, but uh, the time we did have at weekends was lovely. We have I had a very nice family upbringing for sure. Any any brothers and sisters? Uh, yes, a brother who is four years younger. Okay. And what's he do? Uh, he has gone into aeronautical engineering. As you do. Uh, as you do, yeah. He, he's definitely got um, 
a lot of the brains uh definitely he's got he's very very smart um it comes everything comes naturally to him um which i found very frustrating growing up i had to had to work very hard to get my grades whereas he just had to turn up to <laughs> so you went exams. you went to a school so was it a public school that you had a, a scholarship because of the piano and cello yes it was private school um but it was scholarship um because of my my piano and cello, and, yeah. and uh, good times at the school there with with my school certainly if you misbehaved then you weren't um sort of one of the cool kids um so you had to be very much like it wasn't an environment where sort of talking in class was seen as like a really good thing and it was definitely a a really nice culture to to learn in for sure so you did your gcse's and a levels mm -hmm. everything go okay there yep Yep, good. good stuff. So where, where I assume you then went on to, say, uni or something? I did. Uh, I went on to UCLan, University of Central Lancashire, and I did a three-year course in acting. Why acting? So when, when I was younger, um, sort of before I went to school, so before, before the age of four, I really struggled uh, with my speech. I had um, delayed speech and uh, my mum and dad um, gave me sort of, or put me into um, sort of speech and drama lessons um, in order to help my confidence. And it, it certainly did, did that. Um, I, I got a lot more confident, but I also enjoyed it at the same time. And I really loved the idea of learning a script and, you know, you know a monologue of you know Juliet from Romeo and Juliet and being able to stand on stage with confidence because I knew exactly what I was going to say um, and I really enjoyed that that was something that I didn't have a lot of when I was younger the, the confidence side um, so throughout my my school years I just got involved in a lot of amjam um, and a lot of amateur dramatics and I found it a lot of fun and I thought I want to create a career out of this. Um, I got given a uh, space at the Brit School when I was 15 and my mum and dad sat me down one day and said, you can't go. Um, we, we, we don't want you going to the Brits. You're too young to make that decision. Stay and do your A-levels at school. Um, you can do music, you can do drama, but then you can also do history and another subject on, on top of that, um, just in case you change your mind. Um, and I, I, I remember being absolutely devastated at the time, of course. Um, I just got into one of the best schools that there is for, for, for acting and, and drama and musical theatre, and um, I was gutted. But I definitely, looking back now, I understand why they made, made that decision. And, um, I definitely don't have any um, regrets with that, um, but uh, but I decided after my A-levels that I still definitely wanted to be uh, an actress, and that's why I ended up going and doing three years at, um, at acting. What, why the University of Central Lancashire? Is it famous for its acting? It was really good at the time, and I, I hope it still is now, for um, the TV side of everything. And that was the bit that I struggled the most with. So that was me sort of looking at my skill set being like, right, I can do stage, I can do musical, um, that I'm really confident in. If I'm going to university to learn, I want to learn in an area that I'm not so good in. Isn't it weird that we can go on stage and talk to hundreds of people, but we're very afraid of of that lens that, that you yeah can see absolutely here. because you get nothing back from it no, you don't, do you? um it's so, like a black hole isn't it you can look into it it freaks me out looking yeah, at it now yeah absolutely so um that was the reason i chose that 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 place but also as well 
a lot of the real top drama schools. Um, this I was 17 at the time of applying for these for these sort of um, schools, and uh, a lot of those more established ones sort of require you to have at least a couple more years experience, maybe going and doing drama, um, a drama degree or an English literature degree, and then going to your Ramdas and your Lambdas. Very few people get in at, at the age of 18 um, to those to those schools. So um, I just I just wanted to do it because I, I'd wanted to do it three years before at the Brits and didn't get a chance. So for me, it was like, right, let's let's do this now. And yeah. And how are you three years at Preston? They're amazing. I met my now husband there. Is he an actor? <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's in marketing. He's in marketing. <laughs> I like him already. <laughs> um, but uh, it was it was great fun. I um, I got a lot more confident. Um, I think it teaches you a lot, actually. Um, it it kind of really helps, and I think it's helped me in my career up until now. You know, being able to sit down and have conversations, being able to almost put on a character when you go into a living room and you're sitting on someone's couch and you know pretending like you know you're you know in a, a TV production and you need to go in and win a bit you know a business deal and it, it was it, I think I learned a lot from going through that. Isn't definitely. that putting a facade on? Yeah, I think I think that's certainly what I did in the early days to help me with my confidence. Um, I think the more you do things naturally, the more confident you get. So, as I'm, you know, as I was getting into valuing, I would it would become second nature and didn't have to do that anymore. But it certainly did help me in the early years. You know, I started valuing at 22, 23. Um, and that's very nerve-wracking to be going into, you know, houses and living rooms and sitting in front of people. And sometimes um, when you're starting new jobs, uh, you don't have to be natural at it straight away. And everyone has their own coping. What? Fake it till you make it? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> OK, so you, you left university in 2011. Mm -hmm. How the hell did you end up becoming an estate agent a year later? Uh, Surely you wanted to go to all of these fancy drama schools, didn't you? Uh, I did, and I did a couple of um, uh, auditions for them. I did have a bit of an acting career um, in my early 20s. I went off and did six-month theatre tour um, across, you know, across the UK. We did, you know, they had, we had, we were at the Hackney Empire, we were at the, the Rose in um, Kingston. We were in Birmingham doing a you know, production for, for three months. So, um, but I was living out of a suitcase. This was when I was 23. So I took a, a slight break from the state agency at that time. Um, I was living out of a suitcase. I was living hotel to hotel. I was doing performances on a Saturday night. I would drive back down, um, see my husband, my now husband on a Sunday, and then have to leave again on the Monday to go to the new theater for all of the, the rehearsals. Because when you're in a new theater, you obviously have you know new, a new set and you have to go through all of that. So were you both an actress and an estate agent at the same time? Yes. So you had a few months, so you left university in, in, in 2011. Yep. You did a bit of acting, and then started a state agency in 2012 while still keeping your toe in the water. Was that simply you became an estate agent simply because you need the income or you just wanted something a bit steady or? So I definitely fell into a state agency. My mum's best friend was a branch manager at a countrywide branch and said, we need someone to manage the phones. 
do you want to come and manage the phones for us? Um, now, obviously, I was out auditioning. I had my agent. I was getting a few bits and pieces here and there. But having that regular income certainly was going to be helpful. So I was like, absolutely. Um, and I, I was in, I was basically the sort of the, the viewing assistant and the phone assistant for, I would say, three to four months and thoroughly enjoyed it. And then my regional manager at the time said to me, look, he, he was like, I think you're a natural. Um, how about you join us as a negotiator? And if you need to take um, a, a sort of a day off or morning off to travel in and do an audition, that's absolutely fine. You know, as, as long as we get the results, then I'm happy to support you with that. And I was like, this is great. Like I've got a, I've got a, um, you know, a full-time role um, and earning money, doing something that I really enjoy. Um, and then I also get to keep the acting side as well. What did you love about estate agency in those early formative years at uh, Alan Demaid? Well, I'm a, I'm a people person, so I just love the fact that every single day I was meeting people um, and I was doing viewings. It was also something new, so like, let's not sugarcoat it. You know, I was you know, fresh out of university. I'd worked at a student union bar for, for three months. Now I'm in an office environment. This is, this is cool. This is different. Um, but I also just love property. And I know that sounds really cliche and everyone says it, but I just really enjoyed doing the role. I really enjoyed showing people. I loved working a Saturday because it was the busiest day. I was in at eight o'clock getting all of those those inquiries that are coming overnight, not just sort of coming through at 8.30. I was in early because I was really hungry for it and I really enjoyed it. So, um, you know, and eventually, yeah, acting took a back seat and I was like, I really want Did to do this as a career. Did it kind of just drift away and... Yeah, I mean, the, the six-month theatre tour definitely um, had an impact on me because, and then living out of the suitcase, it's not very glamorous. I was very ill when I got back, so I think I was exhausted, but there's so much dust in theatres, and I, you know, I had a terrible chest infection for months afterwards, and I'm convinced it was because of that. Um, and it's just, it wasn't really the lifestyle that I, I wanted to live. Um, a cast member that sat next to me in our dressing room every single um, every single evening used to call her children. She had three children. She used to call them just before the curtain went up at seven o'clock to say night. Um, and she would only see them on a Sunday uh, or a, a Sunday because that was the only day that we had off. And that was for a whole six months. And I just thought, you know what? I don't love acting as much as that to potentially in the future give 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 that up um it was great that, that you know she she really enjoyed it and that was her choice and that was fine but i just looked at what i was doing and where my, where i was going and i'm an ambitious person so i looked at the situation and thought actually a state agency i think i'm going to go in this direction and that's what i did had you moved in with andy at this point yes good stuff good stuff and he was progressing his career so and you were progressing yours. Mm -hmm. um, and you spent four years at, at Countrywide. Now, before we switched the cameras on, you said that they promoted you to be valuer within a year. So that would have been around 2013. Can you remember your first valuation? Uh, yes, I do. My <laughs> first valuation wasn't actually by myself. Uh, my manager at the time came with me. Um, I had a really great manager um, when I was at Alan DeMade Countrywide. Um, she gave me a lot of autonomy and was really pushing me, uh, which was amazing. So she gave me some 
like an, a bit of an extra push. I guess I was I was definitely going out of my comfort zone at the time. I'd only been in the state agency for a very short period of time. Um, but she definitely said to me, look, I see a lot of potential in, in you. So she very much took me under my wing. I went on a few valuations with her and then... So what was the name of this wonderful manager you had there? Uh, Teresa. Okay. What did she actually teach you that you've, that you've learned now? Um, okay. Teresa taught me a lot, but... She taught me to listen to the customer and what they want. She was never a salesy, pushy valuer. Um, we would go in together on valuations and we would know that Foxons had just been in before or um, you know, KFH, one of the, the other kind of big ones in our area had gone. <laughs> um, and she had a very different valuing style to one that I know of now. But obviously at the time, that was all I kind of had seen. Okay. So yeah, she taught me to, to listen to the customer and to really understand what their needs are um, because she very much had a view of like the good, the, the good guys and girls always win. So um, that's, I think, what she, what she taught me, for sure. So 2013, 2014, you became a full-time valuer? Yeah, later on. Yeah, I did, yeah. Full-time valuer. Loved yeah. it? I loved it. Um, Would it be fair to say that actually it's probably the best job you've ever had, even, even up till now? Oh, for sure. I do get a little bit jealous now, dare I say it, of, um, you know, some of the people that I work with going out and, you know, listening to them and them talking on like, sort of Monday morning, you know, I, I went out to see this person at the weekend, you know, this is their story. I'm like, I'm, I'm really trying to get involved in that side because... You can't, you're the MD. You're like, <laughs> I really want to. Um, I know it's the best bit. It's, it's the best bit. I'd love to go back to that. <laughs> I even said to the wife in, during lockdown, I had the chance of of starting an estate agency in Grantham, and yeah. she said, well, you can, but here's your divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. No, I, I, it, 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 it is. Um, you know, it's, I think, well, that's the whole reason as estate agents do what we want, uh, like the reason we're in this industry, right? It's because we are people people. Mm -hmm. we, do, we do love that human interaction. We crave for it. So, um, yeah. Which, which is what makes us good estate agents. The downside is, is that those personality types mean we fear rejection don't we yeah of course yeah and when we lose that listing it's like a dagger through yeah, the heart isn't yeah, it yeah yeah but it's fine pick how yourself do you deal up. with losing value how do i deal with it um well i would i would very much be a dog with a bone right i would if i lost it I would do absolutely everything possible to try and win it back. And that's not straight away. It's, you know, it's very much saying to ESL, I, I completely appreciate it. Thanks for giving me the opportunity anyway. Okay. Um, if it's okay with you, I'd love to stay in touch and I wish you all the best. In the meantime, I know what you're looking for. I'm going to keep an eye out for your onward purchase. And then two weeks later, you know, give them a call. How's it going? I've noticed that you've only just listed on right move, you know, or not too sure about this shot. Maybe get them to take that off and giving them an advice along the way, you know, and making making sure that you're per, you're the person there advising them and being the person they are almost hearing from the most. Um, That's quite rare for estate agents because when you lose it, they take it so personally that they're effing this and effing that and... No. And it's like a dagger through the heart. Yeah, I mean, and what... the thing is, is it's really hard. I think human nature, it's really hard for people to come back and say, I made the wrong decision. Like, that's a really hard thing for people to do. So don't give, don't yeah. give people the opportunity. So give people the opportunity 
for them to not have to say that and for them for you to be the person that's just constantly talking to them so they don't have to talk, go oh actually i'm going to ring that chris watkin because i probably should have gone with him because he's just sold a yeah, property down people the road don't want to people look don't people don't want to look stupid um and show that they've made a you know the wrong decision so so take that off of the table take that away as a blocker keep in touch with them and you know properties mm. don't always sell straight away especially in the market we're in right now well so, we're in we're filming this in march 2023 yeah. and the house market has changed yeah and I think some stats that came out at the women in the state agency conference mm -hmm. we are returning back to the figures where six out of ten houses sell with the second estate agent absolutely absolutely so if you if you do not win a listing then like just keep in touch with that person yeah. don't take it personally I'm making a sweeping statement here mm -hmm. but I find if you don't mind me saying, I'm going to get shot at this, and we are going to do a separate video on this, but I actually think women make better estate agents. <laughs> and I think men, male valuers, take it very personally, their mm. male ego, their male pride. Yeah. Whilst you're a lot, you sound like a bit like a terrier, and you don't <laughs> want to let go, and you don't, you know, making it easy for the for the punter to come back to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I... do, do you think that's right? Have I, have I made the wrong assumption there? Um... I wouldn't say it's a wrong assumption. I, you know, I I like to win, so uh, I have my own way of doing that, and that maybe is different to the What's way. That? Killing them with kindness. Absolutely, yes. Good for you. Right. Okay. So you were at Countrywide, mm -hmm. and it got to two thousand and sixteen. Yeah. And you want you said that you wanted to progress your career. Yeah. Why weren't they promoting you to be a branch manager? So at the, at the time, I really couldn't understand why. Did you want to be a branch I manager? I absolutely wanted to be a branch manager, yeah. Okay. Was that for the money or the title? Um, it or was something for the, else? If I'm being honest, of course it's for, it was for the money. I, I'm very um, money-driven. I... I like having the lifestyle that I want to have. So that that's me and I'm not ashamed to admit that at all. Okay. So yeah, of course you get you get a bit of a bump in your base. Um so that was kind of a, a positive, but I also was getting to a point where I was starting to become a little bit bored. Um I was, I I really enjoyed valuing, but it was it was something that I was doing very well, and for me, I wanted to to learn. I think I think I think if we're all being honest, a lot of people want want to learn. You have to continuously be learning in whatever role that you're doing. So for me, I'd got to a point where I wasn't learning anything anymore. Yes, I was doing a really good job, and that was great, and I was enjoying it, but I wasn't learning. So you were pulling the numbers. You were bringing the bacon home, pulling the numbers in. Did your bosses ever sit down with you and actually say, Alice? Where do you where do you want to go, or did they just assume that you were a cash cow? Um, so I don't really know to be honest, because I never really I feel like got the honest truth out of them on it. I I told them so many times that I really wanted to progress, and oh, so it's not as if you didn't they didn't know you told them. Oh yeah, I did. I did tell them like a lot of times that I wanted to. This progress is like the area to manage or whatever they're called. Yeah, that and and as a consequence of that, I was moved to from from Bromley where we were in Allen Maid, I was moved to John D Wood, sort of a, a central London uh, office, <laughs> and that that definitely for me. Um, Whereabouts in central London? It was Islington. Okay, so you know. 
big ball, big balls, if you don't mind me saying, you've got to go there, pardon the point. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And Valuing it, still? Uh, valuing. So that kind of um, scratched niche because I was learning a different market. Were, yeah. I was learning market, a different area. Big, big, what's the name? Yeah, absolutely. You know, learning a new area. So that definitely kind of like helped that part of my mind of like, right, I'm learning so, something. So you were here. there for a year, were you? Yeah, I was. You married just by over. this time, hadn't you? Yes. Okay. But was it just a temporary itch? Yeah, it didn't. It, 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 once I'd learnt streets and once I'd learnt how to pitch to a, an Islington homeowner versus a Bromley one, um, it, there wasn't really much else that I could get out of it. So it definitely helped me for a, a small period of time. But um, And did you say to the guys at John D. Wood at the time, you know, when you got a bit bored after a year, I'm still craving branch manager? I, I definitely thought that I did. Um, I probably didn't shout loud enough. Okay, but there's, there's mentioning it and then being a moaning cow, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just couldn't understand why there were people around around me and in the company within Countrywide who were being promoted to branch managers who weren't doing as well as I was or doing the numbers that I was. Do you think, though, that a good valuer doesn't necessarily make a good manager? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There are different skill sets for sure. I think you can't just assume that someone that makes a great valuer is going to make a great manager and a great great manager is going to make a great area manager. Of course, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about that. Did you realise that at the time though? Because um, I think there's a lot of valuers out there saying, well, you know, I'm top of the pile here. I should get my branch manager role. Yeah, and I definitely wasn't coming at it from that side of like, you know, I'm I, I did I did look around me and think why why am I not being given the opportunity? But I think I made it really clear like the reasons why I wanted to be a manager. You know, I still would love to have done the valuing and branch managers often do. Um, but I really like to kind of get into the people side and you know the coaching side. And you know, I, I was still relatively young at this stage, so maybe that had a, a an impact. Were they giving you any management training to prepare you? No. Because no, Countrywide are normally pretty famous for their training. Obviously, not not with you. Yeah, I mean, I had a great uh, I had great training when it came to valuations. I had Gavin Swan, who um, I learned a lot from. Um, he was a great trainer. So, um, but I never got any any management training. No, um, maybe if I'd stuck around a, a little bit longer, you would like to think that I would have would have done. But um, but no, I didn't. Then in September two thousand and seventeen, high flying. Valuer Lister always wanted a branch manager job. According to your CV, you handed your notice into John D. Wood and took a step backwards to become a sales associate, which is basically a negotiator role. Yep. How do you square the fact that you wanted to go to be a branch manager when in reality, you took a step back. But before you answer that question, before you tell me why that answer is, I'd like to hear what the, the John D. Wood people said to you. I mean, <laughs> I'm intrigued. Because um, there, there's you giving it some of that. I want a yeah. branch manager, I want a branch manager. Yeah. And then you, so tell me what they said and, and then tell me your reason why. Okay. Um, 
I I'm going to I'm going to actually tell you the story of of how it came about first because okay. I think that 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 helps. Um so I I used to work with a lady um Susan Gregory at uh at Allen Demaid um and she contacted me saying I've just joined this new company nested. You know, they're around the corner from you in Islington. Do you want to meet up for a coffee? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like love Susan. Think she's amazing and I learned a lot from her when I was working with her. So I was like, absolutely. Like let's go for a coffee. So she was, we met off for a coffee. She was telling me all about Nested, this company she just joined. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And she said, we're looking for sales associates. And I was like, oh, that's, that's good. Um, she was like, would, would you like to apply? Like, would you like to come along? And I was like, yeah, it's, it's a bit, bit of a step down. Um, it's prob it's not, probably not going to be for me. She said, well, we're also looking for sales managers. So I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure. By the afternoon, that same afternoon, I was meeting with the head of agency at Nested in the same coffee shop, having an interview. I was like, what is going on here? It happened so quickly. Um, but I was interested and it was a sales manager position. And I was like, okay, so that I'm kind of interested now, a bit of a step up. I went along to the interview. I met several people from Nested. But that moment that I walked through that office door at Nested, the culture just instantly just hit you. And I was like, wow, this place is like buzzing. Everyone that I was meeting, so different, so different to the, that that I've worked with before, that I came away from that three and a half hour interview going, I, I don't care. Uh, if I'm making the teas or if I'm like cleaning the toilets. Like, I just went into this company because I just felt something. What did you feel? Describe it to me. I, I felt like genuine care for me as an individual, not even knowing those people. So I met the founders, Matt and James. I met with uh, Fraser Clark, the head of agency at the time as well. And just the... The, I don't know how to describe it, but I think anyone that's kind of walked into that office would be able to say the same thing of just like, it's so vastly different to what everyone has experienced up until that point, if you're in a state agency. You know, people in tech coming over and saying, oh, hi, you're Alice, like you're here for the interview today. And I'm like, yeah, like, how do you know that? Like, you're in a completely different department. Like, the communication clearly between the whole company was one of just like, everyone feels like you feel like you're part of something really different um and i was like yeah i, I i've got to get it i've got it i've i've got to like get in here so yeah i didn't get the sales manager job i was offered a sales associate um i didn't quite meet the level that they were looking for at the time but i was absolutely happy to take that step down because i looked at this company and thought this is a company that i really feel i can trust with my career um was it a, I don't want to talk numbers, but was it a step down in salary? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. So how do you notice it? Two bosses? Yes. What do they say? Uh, well, my branch manager, she, Kesha, she was great. Um, and I, again, we have, I haven't mentioned her, but she, she was amazing. Um, she, again, taught me a lot. But um, there, was, there was a comment that was made uh, during my notice period about... Um, basically saying, look, why would we promote one of our best valuers to a, a manager position? Why, why would we why, why would we do that? Does it make any sense for, from our point of view? And it was at that point where I was like, OK, I've made the right decision here. Um, I, 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 I have made the right decision of what's for me. And it was just clarification of like, this is the time for me to go. That was the affirmation that you've done the right thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think there's a lot of that in corporate estate agency? 
Um, I mean, I haven't been part of corporate estate agency for five and a half years now. So I, I would love to think that it has certainly changed um, from what I experienced. <laughs> from, from what I experienced. Um, it hasn't. Yeah. From what I get, people talk to me all the time. Yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? It is a shame. It's a shame because Thank you... Me. I mean, not everyone's like that. And, you know, please, I'm, we're not being awful here, but there is a, a large minority of that. Yeah. And I think that um, if you don't fill your business with people um, who have um, like career goals, um, who are very driven, then I, I think that you're doing something fundamentally wrong. Like employing a load of yes people that are just happy to just keep going, keep going, I just don't think works anymore. So you joined Nested mm -hmm. and if you don't mind me saying, you've, you've gone up the corporate ladder uh, you've had more job titles. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'd hate for the person to. You've never got to the end of the bottom of your of your of your business cards, have you? you know, sales lead, commercial manager, head oh, of commercial. Oh yeah, the business was changing. Uh, the business changed a lot. I mean, the business has massively changed since I joined it. You know, it started as this disruptor that was. We're not allowed to use that word on this sofa. Are we not? No. Why? Oh, because everyone's a bloody disruptor. Oh, aren't okay. They? Okay. Um, I mean, what, okay. What is nested? Because, you, you know, a prop tech firm that became an estate agency that's now self-employed, is that it? What is it? So with Nested, the reason why it was found in the first place is that um, clearly the way that you buy and sell property in the UK can be a very, very stressful time. And Nested's, um, I guess, uh, answer to that was to give people advances on their onward purchase so they could break a chain whilst their property was still continuing to be sold. So basically a big pot of money to break the chain? Correct, yeah. Okay. Um, and that was actually something that everyone loved the concept of. Um, both a big pot of money though? Yeah, yeah. Both investors but also, um, you know, sellers uh, really loved the idea of being able to do that. And we got so much interest. We got so many people coming to Nested, you know, wanting, um, wanting sort of to, to, to actually use nested to, to break the chain and move on but it was uh, it was a, it was a product that had a, a few problems mainly it was only we only select fewer people that have got a certain amount of equity in their home that didn't have sort of an unusual feature in their home were actually able to use this product so the the reason why nested was found in the first place was was that reason but actually um, the the kind of underlying uh, mission, I guess, of our company that we can do better. We can give a better selling experience to to sellers. That that still remains today. Okay. So, how did a bridging company, a bridging loan, fundamentally, that's what you were, mm -hmm. turn into an estate agency? And, and more importantly, how did you drive that? Well, it, it was all. It was still an estate agency. So we had an estate agency team that was selling the property alongside. So if you took the nested advance you would have to put your property on the market with Nested and they would sell your property. So it's always been an estate agent, just with so, the US. So if I was Chris Watkin in in Chelsea, because mm -hmm. I come from Chelsea, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would and I had a two bedroom terraced house. I wanted to buy a three bedroom terraced house. Basically you would fund me the funds to buy the, the three bed, but yep. you would sell the two bed. Correct. And then you would charge a commission because obviously I'm borrowing your money and to sell the house. Yes, correct. That's how it worked. That, that is how it worked. So basically you were bridging finance, selling your own properties. 
Correct, yeah. We would put a charge on your property to make sure that, that we got our money back. And then whatever the property ended up selling for, the seller would take the remainder. So they would take the uplift just minus the nested fees. And obviously it was more expensive to sell with nested than it was your traditional Ooh, estate agency. But it got you the house you wanted. Exactly, yeah. Okay. It made you chain free. So what was holding you back in nested? Was it like, you know, if you're tying money up, you know, in London, average house is seven, eight hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, I think um, the, the difficulty with the model is that there are so many ups and downs uh, in the property market, right? So it was really hard to, we would have to value a property of what we think it's going to sell for in six, nine months time. Because if that property never actually achieved the loan amount that we gave that customer, nested would lose money. So we would take the downside, we wouldn't take the upside. So it was a really great concept for sellers. But what that meant was in a unsteady market. And you know, we were, you know, 2017 to, to you know oh, for three years it was well the house price i mean i've just done some stats this morning the market in 17 to 19 was pretty static was yeah. it? it was going up but it wasn't going up much and in london it was actually starting to drift downwards exactly so we it was really hard because we would have to think well what's going to happen in six nine months time and the thing is is you don't know what's going to happen in six nine months time so so did, um, did you did you move the model across to being more of an estate agent with a great culture and less of the, the, the finance. You know, yeah, that, that's where it came, that's where it kind of um, ended up being. And, you know, we, for the, the two things that remained really consistent throughout the whole um, time at Nested, and that the first one's been the brand. So customers, making sure that customers go away and get the best experience possible. That has been something that has drilled, been drilled into every single person at Nested is that, is this right for the customer? You know, how can we give the best experience to the seller um you know take away that advance that chain breaking part of the business that was still at the heart of of, of the company's vision um and then the second thing was the tech um we have built a fantastic internal crm that we call the nest um, that is linked to a seller app that means that sellers can see at their fingertips everything that's going on with their property sale. They can see how many inquiries they're getting. They can see how many times the estate agent is chasing for those inquiries. They can see all of the feedback. Everything is on this amazing app. Um, how many you know, uh, viewing um, stats on Rightmove and Zoopla, et cetera. So it's, it's a really great tool. And that, that is something, again, is giving a really great experience to sellers um, that now our partners can, can use when they're when they're going out and, and um, selling themselves. And when did you decide to go down the self-employed route? So we started to think about it actually just before uh, COVID lockdown. So it was actually, well, it was actually in those kind of initial two, three week periods of everyone thinking they're still gonna be going back to the office in a few weeks time. We started having conversations about it. We could see that there were other models that were coming into the space and starting to make a little bit of a noise. And we thought this could be a really, um, a really good way of scaling the business, but also stepping back and looking at that customer experience of, you know, a customer getting a nested representative who is taking them right from the beginning of their journey all the way up until the end, who is invested in that seller as well because it's their own business. Well, that seems to really fit what we want as a brand and how we want to change an industry. Um, 
and and give sellers a really a really great experience. So we we were, we were starting to think about it around that time, um, and we sat back uh, and did a lot of thinking and a lot of planning. Um, we've had the you know we've been really fortunate that we haven't had to rush into decisions. We've purposely been taking a step back. So so now you are MD. Why do you think they made you MD? Obviously, apart from the customers. <laughs> Um, I mean, you've, you've had a meteoric rise. You've had seven job roles there, six. Yes. Um, How you got to the top of the pile? Oh, that's a really hard question that maybe someone else should actually answer, not me. But if I was uh, asking your, if I was asking the two founders, yeah, why your MD? What would they say? Um, I think. The first thing is that I am really, first of all, I'm really invested in Nested. Like I, I really do believe that what we're trying to do or what we've always been trying to do has really resonated with me. Um, I, I think that I'm just quite a good people person. And I guess I've maybe added to the culture of Nested. Um, and this is really, this is a really hard question to answer because I actually don't know i guess i just because i've been given it on merit and performance um okay but we coming coming back to performance a mm. good valuer doesn't necessarily make a good manager yeah. being a managing director of how many people um so we've got 10 internal people support okay. staff um okay so how have you learned to guide and support and manage and lead your team and then secondly how the hell are you managing uh, not managing but leading your 15 or 20 self-employed agents, which let's be honest, is a completely different skill set. Yeah. Because you're not, they're not accountable to you. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think, I think I am quite good at communicating. Um, you're making sure that you bring people along on the journey and making sure people understand where they fit in. And that applies to both the internal team, the support team, but that also um, applies to the partners as well, right? I think that for me, building this business now as a self-employed model, I think that that is so unbelievably important, making sure that they feel like they're part of something, they feel like they're part of culture. Um, and that's not ramming it down their throats and telling them that they should be thinking this or telling them what to do. Um, it's the complete opposite. It's just saying, we're here, we're here to support you. Um, this is what we're trying to do as, as, a, as a business, and we would love you to be part of that. So I think to answer your question, I think that is probably the reason why I'm in the position I'm in now is that always making people feel like they're part of something and they have a purpose within the company. You're 32, 33 years old now? 32, yeah. Okay. Uh, which is a, a young age, not a criticism, yeah. but a young age for a managing director of a, such a large firm. What's the future for Alice Bullard? If I get you back in here in five years' time, what will I see? I'm definitely not someone that sits here and plans for five years' time. Um, I probably should actually focus maybe on, on my own career, maybe a little bit more than I do. Um, I'm kind of looking to the next sort of six months. So for me, the next six months, I want to be back on the sofa again, talking to you about uh, the rise of Nested and how we are now an even bigger model within this self-employed um, uh, space. I, um, 
I, I really I really just want to make sure that I'm focusing on what I'm doing in the present moment and what that looks like in the future, you know, in two, three years time, I might still be at Nested, I might be somewhere else. I, I, I really, really don't know. I think for me, it's be out looking back and going, I put everything into making that particular thing work. Um, I worked extremely hard to make sure that that was a success. And I, I probably... And that's probably why I focus more on the short term than I do really on the long term. I have no idea what will be in a year's time or two years time for me personally, but it's very much about focusing on the now and the next six months. And I'm going to work really hard to make sure that everyone knows about Nested and that we make this work because I'm really passionate about it. Thank you for your time today, Alice. You're welcome.